0: Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. As we start, remember, the lesson is The Believer's Authority, and we're studying about the authority of the believer, and it's a book by Kenneth Hagin. And it's a very short book, so if you ever see it, grab it, because it's got a lot of insight into it that's very deep, and it causes you to really think about who you are in Christ. There's Sam. (laughs) Okay, let's open up in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this beautiful Sunday that we can come into your house, Lord, and worship you. Thank you, Lord, for a church that believes in teaching about Christ and about the Holy Spirit and who we are. And Father, I just pray that you will bless me during this lesson, that your Holy Spirit will speak through me, that you'll open our ears to hear and hearts to receive. And bless this offering, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, for an introduction, the value of our authority rests on the power that is behind that authority. God himself is the power behind our authority. The devil and his forces are obliged to recognize our authority, the believer who thoroughly understands that the power of God is backing him can exercise his authority and face the enemy fearlessly. Can I have your sheet? I think I gave out all of them. I gave everyone a a little sheet with prayers on it. We're going to read these scriptures, the first Ephesian scriptures in class today, but I think I mentioned that I have a steno book, and I label the prayers, and so here's an example, trusting in the Lord, and that's the prayer I pray, and if I'm having a chaotic day and I need calm to my thoughts, that's a prayer I pray. Thanks, Alice. Okay, so, we'll go over that in just a minute. Luke ten nineteen is our main scripture, and it says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the door to exercising our authority in Jesus Christ can be found in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a very powerful book of the Bible, and I encourage you to study that. So let's, on your paper, let's read this, and I printed this scripture. It'll be up here on the screen in the New King James Version, but the printout I gave you is a personal format on how to pray it. So Ephesians 1, 17 through 20, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, "...the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and he seated him at his right hand in heavenly places." I have been trying to read Ephesians every day, and I am just really amazed how the Holy Spirit has been changing the way I read the Bible. Before, I didn't have a complete understanding of it. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm reading now that I'm thinking, whoa, I never noticed that before. So this prayers, I encourage you, and I know many of you already do. But pray the word of God, because that, that word gets into your heart. So let's go ahead and read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Christ made me alive. I was dead in trespasses and sins, in which I once walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air... The Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also I once conducted myself in the lust of my flesh, fulfilling the desires of my flesh and my mind. And I was once by nature a child of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved me, even when I was dead in trespasses, He made me alive together with Christ. By grace I have been saved, and God raised me up together and made me to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards me in Christ Jesus. For grace I have been saved through faith, and not of myself. It is a gift to God not of works, lest I should boast. For I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. What do you think? Reading it in a personal format, doesn't it make it so much more alive? Okay. So as believers in Christ, we need to understand these truths until they become part of our consciousness and not only our thoughts but in our heart so we not only and as you start reading them when I began to read the scriptures at prayer at first it it didn't click I had to slow down and I had to stop and think about what I was reading and think about it as me talking to my heavenly father in prayer So we cannot accept it mentally, but we have to meditate on it until it becomes a revelation in our spirit. So I encourage you, whatever you're going through, find a scripture in the Bible and start declaring that over your your life. So in the mind of God, we were raised when Christ was raised. When Christ sat down, we sat down. That is where we are now. Positionally speaking, we're seated at the right hand of the Father in Jesus Christ. All authority that was given to Christ belongs to us through him, and we can exercise that. We help him by carrying out his work upon earth. And one aspect of his work is that the word of God tells us is to conquer the devil. Christ can't do his work on earth without us. He had in the book that someone uh, said, Well, God God can get along without me, but I need him. What do y'all think about? God can get along without me, but I need him. Think about that. He says, No, God cannot get along without you any more than you can get along without him. You see, the truth is that Paul is bringing out in Ephesians is that Christ is the head, we are the body, the work of Christ. Christ the head his work is carried out through us as the body therefore in our battle against the enemy and his forces we need to keep in mind that we're above them and that we have authority over them the word tells us that Jesus had conquered them our job is to enforce the victory that Jesus has already won his victory belongs to us but we are to carry it out and I, today I'm going to be doing a lot of reading from the book, and this, um, this next uh, few pages is something that he had in the book, and it, I had never heard this presented this way, so I'm just going to read it through, and then we'll discuss it. So this is Kenneth Hagin speaking. He said, in 1952, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to me in a vision. And he talked to me for about an hour and a half about devil, the devil, demons, and demon possession. At the end of that vision, an evil spirit that looked like a monkey or a little elf ran out in between Jesus and me, and he spread something like a dark smoke screen. Haven't we all been there? Have you ever tried to read the Word and there was just something there that you just could not penetrate? Well, this is what Kenneth Hagin was experiencing, but he saw it in the form of a monkey, a little demon elf. He said, then this demon began jumping up and down and crying in a shrill voice, yakety-yak, yakety-yak, yakety-yak. He said, I couldn't see Jesus. I couldn't understand what he was saying. I couldn't understand why Jesus allowed the demon to make so much racket. I wondered why Jesus didn't rebuke the demon so I could hear what he was saying. I waited a few moments, but Jesus didn't take any action against the demon. Jesus was still talking, and I still could not understand him. Uh, I needed to hear what he was saying because he was giving me instructions concerning the devil, demons, and how to exercise my authority. I thought to myself, Doesn't the Lord know I'm not hearing a word, he says? I need to hear it. He said, I began to panic. I became so desperate and so angry. He said, I cried out, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirit, I command you to stop. The minute he said that, the little demon fell to the floor like a sack of salt, and the black cloud disappeared. He said, the demon lay there trembling and whimpering like a little pup that had been whipped. He wouldn't look at me. And uh, Kenneth Hagin said, next, he said, not only shut up, but get out of here in Jesus' name. And the little demon ran off. The Lord knew exactly what was on my mind. I was thinking, why didn't the Lord do something about that? Why did he permit it? Jesus looked at me and said, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. This came as a real shock to me. It astounded me. I said, Lord, I know I didn't hear you right. You said you wouldn't have, didn't you? Jesus replied, no, if you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. I went through this four times with Jesus, and he was emphatic about it. No, I didn't say I would not. I said I could not. I said, now, dear Lord, I just cannot accept that. I never heard anything preached like that in my life. I told the Lord I didn't care how many times I saw him in a vision. He would have to prove this to me by at least three scriptures. Because we are walking in the New Testament, not the old. Jesus smiled sweetly at me and he said he would give me four. Jesus replied. Now this is, he's talking to Kenneth Hagin here. And he said, son, there is a lot in there that you don't know. Not one single time in the New Testament is the church ever told to pray that God the Father or Jesus would do anything against the devil. To do so is a waste of your time. The believer is told to do something about the devil. The reason is that you have the authority to do it. The church is not to pray to God, the Father, about the devil. The church is to exercise their authority that belongs to them. Jesus continued, I've done all I am going to do, about the devil until the angel comes down from heaven with the chains and binds him and puts him in the bottomless pit. And that's referenced, uh, Revelations 21 through 3, if in case anybody's taking notes. So here are the scriptures that he gave Kenneth Hagin. And this is Jesus continuing to talk. He said, now I will give you four references that prove this. First of all, when I arose from the dead, all power, this is Mark 28:18. He said, when I arose from the dead, all power, authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. The word power means authority. But I immediately delegated my authority on earth to the church. I can work only through the church for I am the head and you are the body. The second reference, Mark 16, 15 through 18, and he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus then went on to say, The very first sign mentioned is that they shall cast out devils. He then went on to say, The very first sign mentioned is that they cast out devils, but this does not mean that pastors and evangelists will cast out devils. That means you as a believer. We have been given that authority. See, he says, in my name they have the ability to exercise authority over the devil because I delegated my authority over the devil to the church This is the third reference he gave Kenneth Hagin, 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said to me, Peter did not write the letter until the Christians. Now word has come to me. Now this was during the time in the story when Paul was uh, anointing the prayer cloths and sending them out so that he says the word has come to me that God is using our beloved brother Paul in casting out devils and he's sending handkerchiefs or cloths and the de- diseases are departing from people and evil spirits are coming out of them now this is Jesus talking to Kenneth Hagin he's saying he said that uh he said, so I would suggest that you write to Paul and get a handkerchief. He says, no, that's not what, not what uh, Paul is suggesting. What he is suggesting, he told them to do something about the devil. So here was Peter doing something about the devil. And Jesus is telling Kenneth Hagin the very same thing that Peter did, you can do. He says, because you've got authority over the devil All the demons and his cohorts. The Spirit of God through the Apostle Peter wouldn't tell you to do something that you couldn't do. The reason you can do it is that every believer has the same authority Paul had in Jesus Christ. This is the fourth scripture. And this is a very small scripture, but it's so powerful. Ephesians 4.27. Nor give place to the devil nor give place to the devil. How can we not give place to the devil? What do we need to do? First of all, we need to line ourselves up with with God, His Spirit within us, and and get in the Word. We have to be sure we're grounded in that Word. We have to be sure that when things come into our life, and, and I know occasionally things will creep into my household, and I'll be sitting there watching something, and all of a sudden something's said, and I think, what am I doing watching this? You know they just said a bad word or something, and what am I to do? I, I should be immediately turning that off. Recently, I watched a show. It was Circus Soleil. Has anyone ever seen that? It's not. It's not good, Connie, you're right. Well, I watched it because it was it's like a circus, but they do all these acrobats and all these these amazing things but it was based on like demonic magical but I sat there and watched it and that night when I went to bed something evil came into my room and I rebuked it and I I said Lord where did that come from he said what'd you watch today So it's just little things like that, even though that circus thing was so amazing and all the, you know, things they did was amazing and it was entertaining, but it was also evil foundation. And I had opened myself and my home to that and something entered in. And I I want you all to, to understand you've got to be careful because our eyes are doors to our soul. And when we allow something into our house, or even if we allow somebody to bring something into our house, then we've got a little demon running around that we're going to have to deal with. I know one time I I stayed all night at at a friend's house, and I had always sensed there was something in that house, but I didn't have authority over it because it was not mine. But when I lay down to sleep that night that I was there, I felt these two demonic little devils rushing up to me. And I had, was just about to go to sleep. And I could feel their presence. And at first, I, my heart started racing. And I thought, I was scared. You know, that's, that's your first tendency. But the Lord said, Linda, you've got authority. So what I did was... I kept my eyes closed because I didn't want to see what was there. But I said, in Jesus' name, you get out of here. I'm tired and sleepy. And immediately, I fell asleep. I don't know what it was. I don't care what it was. It was out of my room. I took authority over it, and I had a sweet sleep. So we have that authority. Okay, let's keep on going. So believers have authority over the devil. We can break the power of the devil if he raises his head anywhere in our own life and in the lives of their immediate family. So the reason I could not rebuke those demons out of that house is because I didn't have authority over that house. I was visiting. I was able to rebuke them out of my bedroom because that's, that was my domain. Okay, this is in the book. So he says, uh, you can break the power of the devil if he raises his head anywhere in your own life or in the lives of your immediate family or your loved ones. You have authority there. They'll be free from the enemy because you've got the right to exercise your authority over them. That doesn't mean we can go down the streets casting out demons out of people that we meet. And I know all of us have recognized that something's not right in somebody's right life. We know there's a demon or something behind their actions. But we cannot go around casting demons out. What it means when we exercise our authority over others, it primarily means that we exercise authority over the devil in our lives, in our children's lives. You've got to realize that you have authority over your household, that you don't have in my household. Spiritual authority is much like natural authority. For example, you don't have authority over my money to tell me what to do. You can make suggestions, but you can't tell me what to do. You don't have authority over my children and grandchildren. That, and that's what it, he, uh, Kenneth Hagin was talking about. He said, you can make the devil desist in some of his maneuvers in somebody else's life, But you can't always cast him out because you don't have authority in that household. But there is an exception. Those we meet on the street and those that we encounter in our walk with God can be delivered and set free from demons. They can be healed from diseases and raised from the dead. God has given us that authority. But it is only as we're walking, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we cannot command a demon come out of somebody by our own flesh. We have to align ourselves with the Spirit of God within us. And it's just like in the Old Testament we talked about God set a, a divine appointments for people for supernatural tasks. God gives us, and he can give it with things that are happening right now. In, in this world, Asbury, I don't know if anybody's been work, watching Asbury University, but God is up to something. And I say, let it start with me. But God is going to start setting up divine appointments for all of us if we're willing. And he's going to say, Linda, see that lady over there? I want you to go over and pray for her. She's got a demon. I want you to say, help set her free in my name. See, and that's when we have the authority, when God sets us up for those divine appointments. And I don't know if anybody saw this. I saw a recording that there was a woman at the Asbury College that they thought was having a seizure. Did anybody see that? They called all these medical personnel down. This woman recorded it. And this woman went straight stiff as a board. And I think they realized this is not a seizure. And many of the people around her just didn't know what to do. There was one woman that came up and said, In Jesus' name, devil, and she called it out. And all of a sudden, you heard this loud shriek go out. Did you see it? No. But this woman that recorded it was a Baptist. Was, no, she was a Christian church church. She said, I don't know what happened here. I'll let you be the judge for yourself. I know what happened, don't (laughs) y'all? So God is, and that's what happened in the book of Acts. When they left, when the 120 were gathered in prayer, waiting for God Fire came down in cloven tongues of fire and sat upon them. And they started speaking in tongues. What was that tongue? That was a manifestation of what was inside of them. That was an outward manifestation. So they went from there and they changed the world for Jesus. They started uniting and, and helping one another in love. And they cast out demons. They healed the sick. They raised the dead. That's what God wants to do. God, I heard someone recently told me, Linda, it's in times. I don't agree with that. I know it's, it, we're headed that way, but right now God is going to take out a glorious church, and we're going to go out glorious, and the gospel is going to be spread throughout the world, and he's going to use all of us to be a part of that And that's what he's calling all of us to do is to raise up in our giftings and our callings. It doesn't matter how shy you are. If you can reach one person, you know, we can love them. We can talk to them. We can show them who Christ is. And what it is is sharing your testimony. What has God done for you? And that's what they did in in the book of Acts. Okay, let me keep on going. Uh, let me get where I was. Okay, he says, we don't ask Jesus to lay hands on the sick. We do it. Jesus gave that authority to the church. Notice, where are the hands? Where are your hands? Are they part of your head or your body? Your body. So Jesus can, does not lay hands on the sick. We do. We're the body. We've got the hands. He says, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When you lay hands on the sick, you are exercising your authority over the devil. And it is by faith we lay hands on the sick, asking they be healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus didn't heal the sick because he was the son of God, but because he had a body of man given authorization by God to walk in his authority. As a believer, we are the seed of God through the Spirit of Jesus Christ within us. Therefore, we produce after our kind. We walk by the nature of Christ within us. We are like Him. The nature of God is in us, and we have been given all authority and power to defeat the enemy. Jesus has given us authority, and we need to change the way we pray and how we go after the devil. We have authority to do this. Ephesians 1, through 23. He put all things under his feet. And gave him to be head over all things to the church. Which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. The feet. Alright. He says that Satan is under his feet. Where are the feet? They're part of the body. Who is the body? We are. So we have the authority to stomp on Satan's head and said, You get out of here, you lying, sniveling, ugly head. Get out of my house. Get out of my life. We have that authority. But if you listen to the average Christian, and I've been guilty of this many times, I talk about I'm being attacked by the devil. Don't we glorify the devil more than we give power and glory to God? He says that Satan is not running. Me, I may be part of this world, but I'm not of it. I'm now a citizen of heaven. So we need to make sure that we know our place and that Satan is not running us. God's plan is for us to rule and reign in life as kings. We need to rule and reign over our circumstances, over our poverty, over disease, everything that hinders us in our in life our words bring life and death I'm going to read some of these to you I had to look up these songs I'd never heard them before he was talking about be careful being careful what you say because how often do you say something like um one time I, I was talking to Lula Homan and I said my allergies are so bad she said, stop that. Don't you claim that. And what happened after I said that, my allergies got, I mean, the allergies got worse. So we need to be careful. He said, we even need to be careful of what we sing. I'm from the baby boomer generation. Okay? So that means I was raised up in the generation where I think we struggled so hard to make sure we were, you know, born again. And I remember going to the to the altar every Sunday as a child I just did not get it but here's some songs that uh, Kenneth Hagin said were written that he said there was a song called here I wander like a beggar through the heat and cold my burdens are so heavy Lord my sorrow is untold does that sound like praise (laughs) how about uh, precious Jesus don't forget me if I can just make it into those heavenly gates, I won't mind the clothes I'm wearing. Or what a, or what about, how about the song that says, Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. God doesn't want us to live in that. Judy, do you remember any of those songs? <laughs> oh, that one's a good one. <laughs> that one's a good one. <laughs> Kenneth Hagin says, we are not defeated wandering around down here as beggars because we are not beggars. We are a child of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Romans 8:17 says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I like that verse because it says, If indeed we suffer with him, that means everything's not going to be wonderful once you give your heart to the Lord. If anything else, it becomes worse because you become a target for Satan. But how many can say it's been worth it every step of the way, right? (laughs) All right, so we are the body of Christ. We are seated at the right hand of the majesty, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion glory to God. Too often Christians allow the thoughts and the lies of the enemy to keep them bound and walking in poverty. How many people know of someone that is a Christian? You you know their lifestyle, but they walk in a poverty mindset. They just can't seem to get out of it. And I've been guilty of that. I admit it. But many Christians equate humility with poverty. He, uh, Kenneth Hagin said he was talking, preaching one time on the subject of humility versus poverty. And this preacher said, oh, brother so-and-so is so humble. He can afford a better car, but he drives a junky old car. Here's what Kenneth Hagin told him. That's not being humble. That's being ignorant. I can hear him saying that. And it is. Because God does not want us to be in poverty. Many Christians have allowed the devil to cheat them out of every blessing they could enjoy. God didn't intend for us to be poverty stricken. He said we are to reign in life as kings. Satan wants us to have a poverty poverty mentality and it's masked in a false sense of, of humility. Don't believe the lie of Satan. Satan wants us to rise above. He wants to bless his people with financial blessings because then we can reach out and bless others. He wants to bless this church with financial blessings. And I I know in the vision that Apostle Hall talked about, he said there were going to be the very poor and the very rich sitting right next to each other. And that's what God is going to do. He's going to call in the wealthy so that they can be the blessing to the ones who are in poverty. So that they can be risen out of that poverty to reach out and bless someone else. And that's what God intends. The money is not for us to clean and hold on to. God wants us to walk in blessing. He wants us to have a nice house and a nice car. But he doesn't want us to walk beneath that and... and, uh, live in poverty. And I know growing up, I was one of 10 children, and at times we struggled. But I think it was that era that I lived in. But I never knew that I was poor because my family, we loved the Lord, and my joy and strength was in the Lord. So I never realized I was poor. So whenever somebody would say something about, oh, you, you, Uh, I can't remember how they used to phrase it, but they used to tease my dad about us having 10 kids and that we were so dirt poor, and it used to offend me. But God does not want us to stay there, and how we can get out of it is by drawing from his joy and his strength and realizing who we are in him. So let's keep on going. Oh, my. I'm going to run it and be short on time. Um. There was another story in the book, but I'm not going to have time to read it. So let's keep on going. Uh, Next title is called Learn to Be Exalted. As Christians, we must learn that we are seated with Christ. We must learn to be exalted to where the place where God wants us. Too often the church fails as walking as Christ called us. We tend to bow down in defeat and we're overcome by poverty, fear, doubt, confusion. But Ephesians 5, I'm sorry, Ephesians one twenty two says he put all things under his feet. He gave him to be head over all things to the church. So Jesus is the head over sickness, disease, and everything that comes against you in your life. And Jesus has given all that authority to me, to you, to you, Richard. He has given all of that authority to us because we are his body. We are his hands. We are his feet and his mouth, correct? So we speak and we love. All right, God made Christ to be head over all things to the church. It is for our sake that he is the head, because through him we can exercise our authority. When we understand what belongs to us, we will enjoy the victory Christ has given us. The devil will continue to fight you, and he will try to prevent you from realizing who you are in him. But through a strong, steadfast, deep-rooted faith upon the Word of God, victory can be ours. We are living in the greatest day ever was upon the face of the earth. God is about to show off. And I want to be his body that reaches out and shows off for him (laughs) in the power of his name. So I encourage you, read those scriptures, get in the word, and realize who you are in him. Let's close. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that we are seated with you at the right hand in heaven and that we have all the power and authority given to us because you ascended and you gave that authority to us. Father, help us to realize who we are in you. Help us to understand our callings and our giftings because, Lord, you've got a great revival coming, and you need workers here on earth. You need bodies here on earth to do your work. So equip us and prepare us and go forth, Lord, during the service and your power and your glory fall in our midst and it's in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God please visit our Facebook page at C O L G or give us a call at 859-745-1865